Lord Jesus, be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. In flaming fire, thou shalt take vengeance. Burn, motherfucker. Burn. Hello. Welcome to the latest episode of Resisting Gilead. This is Gina. And today we are going to be talking about the season premiere of The Handmaid's Tale. And let me tell you, it was on fire, quite literally. Sorry, that's a bad pun, but you're going to get used to my bad puns. Um, So we start off exactly where we left off. We have June standing in the street watching a car drive away with Emily and her baby, Nicole. And then we have our Mr. Commander Lawrence comes back. Commander Lawrence, who's played by Bradley Whitford, who, of course, probably very slightly worked with Elizabeth Moss before when they were both on the West Wing. Um, Love him as an actor. He is super weird and quirky and crazy in this character of Commander Lawrence. And... You know, he and June have a little bit of back and forth, and uh, ultimately it ends with him calling her Spunky. Spunky. As we get started, I'm just going to kind of hit what I think were the top three scenes in this, and then I'm going to go into kind of like the top three acting moments, because I think there were a few really good ones. Diving right into it, you know, of course... June has to go back and and try and get Hannah. And I think it was pretty easy to tell that even though she was going to go to the Mackenzie's house to get her, that of course she was not going to be successful. Otherwise, we wouldn't really have a season. So, you know, she kind of takes takes one for the team. She sees her daughter. And then, you know, I mean, the police are there kind of just like seconds, it seems like later and she you know basically surrenders without a fight but the first scene I really just love in this is the conversation she has with Mrs. McKenzie not kind of that fake like oh your daughter's thriving type of conversation but when they really just kind of get into the conversation about how Hannah's doing that you know she's she's a bad sewer but she loves it she's a pretty good cook which you know, is nice because we know that uh, June's husband, Luke, likes to cook. We remember there was an episode, a scene rather, where June and Hannah are making pancakes together when they're in that hideaway house, uh, when they were waiting to try and cross the border into Canada. And so that was really sweet hearing about how she's, you know, really wants a dog and is trying to trying to work on her father for one, but is allergic. And, you know, they just kind of have these really nice motherly moments between them, you know, but it is ultimately sad, you know, it's, uh, it's really strange in the way that Mrs. McKenzie, even though she's become this mother to Hannah, who, who she calls Agnes now, really doesn't validate June and any of her motherly rights just only acknowledges that she is the person that brought Hannah slash Agnes into the world, which is very sad. And in some ways, uh, really just uh, disappreciative 
cold. I don't know. It's very disturbing. But of course, you know, that's kind of the rock that this society is built on. That I thought was really just kind of the first super interesting, really kind of touching scene of this episode. Uh, then, you know, then we move on. June has to go back home to the Waterfords. And I'm just thinking, oh, my God, like that is the worst of the worst. Uh, just it's just really, really bad. But, you know, she goes back and then she there's this scene in the study library, I don't know, parlor. And um, Serena kind of flips out on June like you gave my daughter to a murderer, uh, referring to Emily, who, you know, we last saw basically uh, rightfully stabbing Aunt Lydia in the back. And, you know, June really acknowledges with Serena, like, listen, I still did what was best for her. She is going to be safe. And you have to have faith. And she's like, if you don't have faith in the decision I made, you need to have faith that God will watch over her. And I just feel like there was this moment between June and Serena Joy where Serena just kind of collapses into June's arms. And, you know, June is really gracious in terms of of comforting her and giving her some just physical affection you know, and really, I feel like that is the last time we've seen Serena Joy get any physical affection on this television show. There was that night that, you know, she and Fred made passionate love, but, you know, later he said that, you know, her lust was a sin and it was just like, just really heartbreaking you know, to hear a husband talking to his wife that way, especially when, you know, his wife really still loved him, at least at that point. And um, yeah, it's like the only physical comfort that we've, we've seen Serena Joy have. And I think that is something else that's just so interesting in the society is that, you know, these husbands and wives who are barren, I guess, because they can't produce children, it's, maybe kind of a, a no-no to have sex with each other because there's really no purpose. Um, you know, their union's not going to result in a child. So it's, it's useless and they don't, they shouldn't be having sex. I don't know. They've never totally gone into it, but that's what it seems like. And, and I think that's something else. I think it heightens Serena's desperation for a child because that will be a source of physical affection, you know, hugging and cuddling a baby. It's, it's a source of like warmth and love um, that, you know, she definitely hasn't been getting. Um, she hasn't been getting in her life, um, which is, you know, very sad. And I mean, Serena Joy is a highly flawed character. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm sympathetic towards her in this episode and during this time, especially after she lost a finger trying to make sure that, you know, the girls of Gilead would be able to read. But, um, I mean, she, she's still definitely very evil. And I think that's something that, you know, as time goes on, some of the feedback I've been seeing about the show on, uh, you know, kind of a message board I was on was like, 
why is June trusting Serena Joy? And uh, I think that's a good question. And is has Serena's transformation really been sincere or not? Um, you know, and I, I think we'll find out more as we go along. But in this moment, I feel like, uh, you know, she was just uh, broken. I feel like Serena Joy is, is kind of broken right now. And, and um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that some more because um, it's definitely um, definitely some interesting moments with her, uh, you know, in this episode in particular. That I feel was just kind of, you know, kind of the second scene that was just super powerful, very interesting. I've always loved the dynamic between June and Serena Joy. Um, I hate it when it's tense. I love it when they are working together as a team. And I think this was probably just the most tender moment these two women have shared. I think June really tried to have that tenderness with Serena after Fred beat her in season two. Um, you know, the first thing she did was go up and, and check on her. And I just think this was like, um, kind of a really wonderful moment between the two of them in spite of just kind of the horrible situation that's surrounding it. And honestly, Fred looking on, he looked jealous. You know, I think at this point, June, and I think for a long time, June has actually cared more about Serena Joy than she ever cared about Fred. And I think that has become very clear to Fred in this moment. So moving on to probably what the most amazing scene was for me. Um, this episode, one of those, because I mean, burning down the house, we're going to get to that. But I just think what was so moving was Emily crossing over this river with baby Nicole and like the drone activity was crazy and, you know, she's in like an icy river. It's, it's got to be not warm, especially warm, it seems like. And, um, you know, at one point they get pulled under the water and then rise back up. And, and thank goodness both of them are okay. And then someone comes. And I'm going to play a clip. I'm going to play that clip for you because it's, it's a great moment. You guys okay? No, 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 no. It's all right. Sorry, right. 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 Ma'am, if you return to your home country, would you be persecuted based on being a woman? Or would you be subject to the danger of torture or risk to your life? As a person in need of protection, do you wish to seek asylum in the country of Canada? This is SQA 13. I need an ambulance with pediatric at my location. So watching or rather listening to this clip, don't you think that this is probably the way all people seeking asylum should be met when they are fleeing a country for their lives? 
I, you know, I just kind of thought this was a huge slap in the face to the United States and how we've been handling things at our border. And it was just, I don't know, it was just an, a magical moment. And I love the way that, you know, Emily says, yes, we do. You know, she is speaking for that baby too, because that baby is female. And, you know, while she might have been growing up in uh, a household with parents and not forced to become a handmaid later in life, still those parents had some major issues. Um, you know, Serena was, uh, you know, going to be a good mother, but, you know, Fred clearly was not the father and, you know, didn't give a crap. Um, he only really cared about that baby as a possession and, um, you know, a status symbol, which I think is important to these commanders as they rebuild Gilead. They want to have children to pass legacy on to. Um, but I just think, you know, it was exceptional to see the way that the juxtaposition of this is really interesting. You know, here we have a woman and a baby running from a border where they are being chased because that country they are running from does not want them to leave. It's, it's, it's quite the opposite now in so many ways. I think the people that are coming through our southern borders are trying to, rather, um, they are fleeing their countries because they are in danger. They fear for their lives. Uh, they are being discriminated against in one way or another. And, um, you know, they're trying to get into the United States. Like, that's where they think they're going to be safe, is safer, the United States. And yet we have this picture of a really warped potential future in the United States where people are doing anything they can to get out. And I think that this is a really important thing to think about is that right now, I don't want to say we're the it country because God almighty, there's a lot of things that are really wrong right now in this country. Um, you know, from its leadership, just to the way we're handling crises with, with the homeless, but you know, we're kind of per perceived as, as a place where life is better right now. Um, but I think looking at what Gilead showcases of what kind of the demise of the United States could look at if it was taken over by, you know, kind of, uh, this really strange theonomy is, um, is pretty eye-opening. So, you know, I think that's just something to think about. And I would say, there is a fourth scene that, of course, is utterly spectacular, but it also corresponds with, I think, one of the best acting moments we see from the actress that plays Serena Joy. Before I kind of talk about this, I'm just going to play a clip from the dialogue that happens right before this scene. I am protecting this house. God has made me master of an incredible woman. I sent her away, Fred. It was my choice. I drove you to desperation. 
access. Things will be normal again, Serena, back to the way they were. I promise. So yes, what every woman dreams of. After this conversation ends with Fred, we see Serena Joy dressing. And I feel like that for some reason, I feel like that there was a scene like this in season one that was very similar with June putting on her handmaid's uh, wear. I think we've definitely seen the, I don't know what you want to call it. It's like the face of death. Um, you know, it's, it's like, you know, a thousand levels beyond resting bitch face. It is, um, I think I, <laughs> I'm looking at my notes and I think I called it the hell half no fury bitch face, which is we see Serena Joy look in the mirror and it's just like, it's like a look of death. Like if looks could kill, that is the look. And um, what I now kind of refer to that face as is Serena Joy's Dracara's face, you know, kind of a throwback to Game of Thrones and Daenerys Targaryen, who, you know, kind of wrongfully burnt everything down. Um, I feel like Serena Joy has redeemed how women can burn things down for good. And, you know, we see her go over and light the bed in her room on fire, which is, I mean, so symbolic. That bed is where she had to watch her husband have sex with two different handmaids while she was there in the room. So it's a, it's a place of infidelity and betrayal. It is the bed that she held June down on when she had Commander Waterford basically rape her in an effort to help her go into labor last season. And, you know, I think it's just been a really also just a very lonely place for her. It is a bedroom she does not share with her husband. And I think, you know, in a kind of in a a bigger way, that room and the house, you know, there's been death there. Their first handmaid hung herself. There's been just a lot of lies and betrayal and deceit and storytelling, you know. Ugh. I mean, it is just like if there is any house that needs someone to run through with a, a lit sage stick to scrub out the demons, it was that one. But, um, you know, what, what Serena Joy does is so many steps beyond that. She's, Serena Joy has lost so much. And it, it was kind of at this point, I'm, I'm thinking, is she suicidal? And I mean, I definitely think she is not emotionally well right now. And honestly, who could blame her? But I, I don't necessarily think she is suicidal. I think, um, I don't think she wants to die, but I do think that she has a really deep desire to kill the person she has become in Gilead. You know, Fred said something to her before she lit the bed on fire that was like, 
things will go back to the way they used to be. And honestly, I don't think Serena Joy does want things to go back to the way they used to be before the baby left. I think I think she's more inclined to have things go back to the way they used to be before Gilead. I don't know if she's fully aware of that yet, but she's definitely, you know, some women when they need a change, cut their hair. Other women light their house on fire and burn it to the ground, um, which she did. And it was amazing. And I really especially love to see that Scrabble board go up in flames because I feel like that was such a, I don't know, tool of manipulation that Fred used with both June and probably the handmaid before her. And yet it was also the symbol of something that Fred and Serena Joy used to do together as a couple that they, they enjoyed. And, um, so it was, I got a little laugh out of seeing that, uh, that Scrabble board go up and smoke, but yeah. Um, one of the best performances of the week, I think has to go to Sir, the actress that plays Serena Joy with her total, um, hell hath no fury bitch face because it was definitely burning burning hot inside of her a couple of other acting moments that I thought were so great and honestly I didn't know kind of the I didn't know the backstory to this one until I watched a little bit of the behind the scenes but when Emily is walking into the hospital with the baby and, you know, she's surrounded by security and, and doctors. And you see these people at first, they're just watching her kind of from, you know, it's like an open atrium and they're, they're kind of on like the balcony um, above her. They're just watching her at first. And then all of a sudden they break into applause and she, she really looks confused by what's happening. And there's kind of a, there's more of a reason for that is because that applause was completely unscripted. I guess the extras all of a sudden just started applauding. They weren't instructed to do it, but they did it. And I think that, I mean, that has to come from a place of first just being not only an extra, but a huge fan of the show and understanding what it's about and, you know, really understanding the struggle of people that risk everything to cross a border for a better life. So kudos to all those extras because it was another just super phenomenal moment. I mean, gosh, I'm like tearing up talking about it and remembering it because it was just so powerful. And okay. I think one of the, the third, I think the third best acting job of the week, well, not third best, I think another great um, performance to kind of end this week was, of course, Elizabeth Moss as June. Elizabeth Moss acts her face off like I have never seen before, like you know, I've heard people say, oh, so-and-so acts their ass off. And it's like, okay, yeah, it means you're working hard. But Elizabeth Moss does things with her face and her expressions that are just like, blow me away time after time. She is consistently brilliant in her reactions. And, 
you know, we see her scrubbing floors. Her feet have been lashed again, I think by the same women that did it, you know, in season one that we saw. And um, she's on her knees scrubbing the floor and another handmaid comes by to let her know that Emily and the baby made it safely across the border. And the look on her face is priceless. Like she has got to be in pain beyond words. And she looks like elated, victorious. It's just one of the most amazing expressions I've ever seen on an actress. But it's like you knew you could tell what was going on in her head at that very moment. It was just so, you know, the elation, the satisfaction, the triumph. It was incredible. Yeah, I mean, just unbelievable acting from Elizabeth Moss as, you know, as she does. She's amazing. Something I want to do every week is really call out a sister resistor or a Mr. Resistor, both on the show and in our lives today. And so, I mean, I really think that the sister resistor of the week, um, it's a it's a really even and very strong tie between both Serena Joy for literally burning down the house and also to June, who who somehow is not on the wall yet. You know, she, she survived, um, you know, Fred made up a story that, that basically kind of exonerated her at least from getting the, you know, getting her baby out of Gilead. But, you know, the fact that she, she broke into the Mackenzie's house, that, that's gotta be like, it is amazing that she did not get a more severe punishment other than lashings for that. It has to go to Serena Joy for burning down the house and um, June for just surviving all of that. And then, you know, of course, she survived all of that and yet she gets her new posting. And of course, she is with, posted with, Commander Lawrence. And um, we'll see what this household is like and how and and if she is able to survive it. But before we go, the sister resistor of the week that I'm going to name for heroic actions in real life is a woman named Karine Jean-Pierre. And Karine Jean-Pierre is associated with the organization moveon.org. And for those of you who didn't see it, last week Kamala Harris was on stage at a Big Ideas conference that um, Corinne Jean-Pierre was moderating uh, this panel. And all of a sudden, a dude hops up on stage. He's an animal rights activist. He rips the mic out of Kamala Harris's hand and Corinne like jets over there in her heels and her cute little dress. And she puts herself between this man and Kamala Harris. And you never know what type of person that's rushing to stage. You don't know if they're armed or not, but she just like got right in the middle of it is like, this is not going to happen. Separated the two. And, you know, that is really an act of bravery in today's society. 
that um, I think we need more of. Um, you know, it's not just enough to stand up for our rights as women, but we do have a responsibility to have the backs of other women as well. And I think that action of just like getting in the middle of it, you know, not with not a second thought, you know, she, she was just there, which was amazing, is really worth shouting out. So kudos to Karine Jean-Pierre. You are the Sister Resister of the Week on the Resisting Gilead podcast. Thank you for doing, just doing what was right. Thank you so much. And that's it for our Season 3, Episode 1 podcast about The Handmaid's Tale. If you have any feedback, please email me at resistinggilead at gmail.com. I would love to hear your comments about the show maybe read some um, in an upcoming podcast. And of course, um, you know, I'm looking for people to come on in and talk with me about the episodes this season. Um, I would love to have company rather than just um, listening to myself talk. It's just more fun to talk about it with people. So thank you very much for tuning in. And as always, don't let the bastards grind you down. Spunky.
Um, 